You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms, and if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, so glad we get to have this mini episode where we think together about how your Enneagram worldview affects your marriage. I am so thankful that we get to talk about my favorite topic today. Well, the world's together, Enneagram and marriage, and hopefully yours too. I hope you're doing well this Wednesday or whenever you're listening. I know that in my little world over here, and we'll talk about our idealists and our pragmatists and our relationalists, but over here, I'm a bit in my idealist mode of coming off of all of the shows of my kids and now I'm hearing them behind me uh, or rather under me downstairs practicing piano and all of them are practicing their scripts for, uh, well, two of them for their theater performance tryouts tonight. They have auditions and we're just, it's so funny back in like one or two weeks off and now they're like auditions again. And uh, my type four sweet Hannah is practicing the piano I can hear and it's fun to be able to do all this at once with you guys where I'm like oh this is happening and so is this Uh, so it's a bit of a sweet spot for me today as we're relaunching our our family in all these different directions again with very little moment in between however as you probably feel the same about your life as long as you have a bit of ebb and flow busy is good right So I think it's good. I'm embracing it, but I've already had my 20 minute nap today after doing an interview and I'm just grateful to be able to have this space with you for us to carve out with intention how we can live well in our marriages, in our lives. And if you're not married yet, you're just leaning in and learning with us anyway. So I'm just grateful. And yeah, other than that, that's our big family update is preparing pictures for Hannah's graduation this uh, next couple weeks weeks. And that's a hard trigger for me. I'm like, Hannah, do you want to take um, some photo albums to Panera tonight? And she's of course in her four like, yes, looking at all the pictures in the past. And I'm like frozen. I'm like, okay, let's do this deep breaths. Like this is hard, but so good and embracing it all. And by the way, I don't think I shared it here, but she was accepted at all three of the colleges. And I did share that part, but um, she has chosen. She's going to be a bull at USF. And that is, I had to learn all the Florida colleges as I was sharing before. And now we have uh, decided we are a Bulls family. And she really, of course, made that decision. But uh, it was hard because she was given a lot of accolades, like I said, at all of them. And to be able to say, I am choosing this one. And she got, it's a 31,000 person college. So think about her homeschooling her whole life and going into this. And it's so cool because as she went in with almost junior status, I don't know how that'll all work in, but she's like, she has so many credits that she's almost a junior. Um, 
she applied for the honors college and she's getting in that smaller group. So it's only 2000 students are part of the honors college. So I'm very happy that she gets different campuses she can go to and she can uh, live at home for a little while as she makes the transition. So it feels really good for her as a four to be doing that. And then she's also going to be teaching at the fine arts academy where she was taking classes herself all these years, she's going to be teaching a preschool and a K through second class. So it's like a bit of this transition into, oh my gosh, she's a staffer now. And I'll get to see her at a recital this spring, but it will be her kids that are doing the recital. And I am just loving this transition moment. And I know many of you have already walked this journey. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, slow down. I don't even have kids yet. But just a beautiful little piece to remind us all together that there is a journey and there are moments that you think I'll never be able to launch in this or that way. And sometimes there's a grace around it that is gentle. Other times it's harder and we have to adapt to something more abrupt. So I am preparing for those kinds of days as well, as stoically as possible. And I know you're doing that when you have these harder moments where you're like, life isn't fair. It is very hard right now. And I just want to welcome you to that. Be stoic and strong and be thankful that you get to walk the hard journey because you're available to do it. Whereas others maybe wouldn't be able to do this hard journey you're on. And that'll bring us right into our worldview conversation in a second here. But I just wanted to share those updates and let you know that uh, Wes and I are pacing, I think, really beautifully in this season. And I do not say that lightly because I almost puke in my mouth when I think about people being fake about marriage, like it's so perfect or easy. It is not. We have worked so, so, so hard to get here. It is still an everyday thing, but it is also, also, also very nice to be like, oh, wow, we're doing our work and it's going really well. And um, our kids get to enjoy the fruits of that work too. So I hope you'll do that for yourself. It's worth it. Anything that's worthy is going to be a lot of intention and grit and stoicism. And also that uh, if you're listening on our subscriber Wednesday pod, you know, we've been talking about that gap in the gain and be like, oh man, I am so grateful to be reminded of all the good I have in that gain versus always what I don't have in the gap. So let's hop in with a brief convo about worldview, marriage, and then I'm going to take you at the end of the episode through a conversation piece that you can try out at home. So sometimes if you don't get through an episode, you can be like, okay, I need that conversation piece at home. I'm running to the end of this episode. That's always fine with me. But I think we have a lot of meat in here. So if you can hang on, for this middle section. I think you'll love it. Um, but, But let's start there with those who are idealists in that way, who do tend to look at the gap and not the gain. And that is going to be our ones, fours, and sevens, or if you're in that space. And we've talked a bit about that on this podcast before. But if you're in the one, four, or seven typing space a lot, then you know that you hold out these high ideals for what life could be like with your marriage, with your spouse, with yourself. And there's always some something else that could be done. There's just this quick reaction or response to life that says, oh, if only. And that's this heavenward gaze, which is of course why you've heard me say we call this the heaven triad. But in your marriage, I just want you to really be reflective on that because of what we're learning, even just in our biology studies as a culture about epigenetics and how when we actually believe that we have good and when we write it down, oh my gosh, how 
beautiful it is for us to even, not just our spouse, but us to be welcomed into healthier living and less dysregulation. So if you're thinking, oh man, I can't let my spouse off the hook because they've been so difficult and tough and they need to pay for that, understand that you're one of the people that's most getting hurt by you not being able to step into the gain and to say, oh my gosh, I'm just reflecting on what we already have. Now, of course, I want you to know that there's a lot of good to you also being in that space of here's what we already have and I'm still going to work to be better. So, and that's why I'm giving you an exercise at the end of today's episode so that you can have a team building exercise. We're going to get that from Dr. Wyatt Fisher. You might remember we had him on the podcast before, but just a, a good psychologist with a lot of practical marriage tips for us. So we're going to go through an exercise so that you don't feel I'm just saying, you know, just leave everything and don't try and don't work at it. Of course, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying to you, idealists, is your worldview makes so much of a bigger impact than you know, because if your spouse or you have to feel all the time that you're looking around the corner for the next thing with them, or you're looking at the grass is greener with others or what you could have, you are truly missing the presence, the blessing of now. And I'm going to add this because I'm a seven. And when I can do this well, it is so beautiful. And I want to share it with you. It's just this practice of the wonder of now. The joy of now. It's awesome. I mean, right now I'm literally hearing now my daughter has switched to guitar below my feet. And I'm like, ah, like that's beautiful when I pause and just see what's happening. And I think that for you, it might be that you're, you're listening and you pass a rose that is on your table in a vase and you just look at it for a minute or you're like, oh, my spouse and I had such a nice cuddle this morning before work. It was so cool. Or maybe you're on a walk and you just see how gorgeous that sunset is and that golden hour. And and maybe you're driving and you're like, it's a trash heap right by me and I'm at a red light. But then you remember, oh, I have a car and so many people in this world would love to have this car right now. And so many people have shown me, even when I forget how wonderful my spouse is, so many people have shown me um, who my spouse is and how wonderful they are. And and that can help an idealist when they're struggling. And I have that happen to me all the time because Wes does such beautiful things in the world. And when I get frustrated, I love remembering what others have reminded me of about him and, uh, you know, and of myself. So keep people in your life who can help you to see who you already are, not just who you want to become. I had a friend say that to me who's moving away. You guys know her actually, Elena Pampa of Ray Light. Uh, recently I was at her going away party because she's moving out of state and uh, we were doing our seven thing of like I was like hey remember pretty woman and how she's like hey I don't do goodbyes so take care of you (laughs) and like we were doing that but at the same time we were getting sappy because we do our work and uh, she's like girl like don't forget that as much as you need your self-care and your self-protection she's like you were my first friend in Florida and I joined a mom's group you were leading and like that was probably 10 years ago and just you know make sure you know you're a connector and I'm like oh Like, don't do that to me. But like, it was a good reminder of, you know, what are we already doing well? What have we already done well? Looking back, looking at the present, that's what I want you idealists to do right with me and to expose gratitude 
and wonder because of it. And I want the others to do that too. But let's talk briefly about the others now. Let's talk about the three, six, and nine who carry the worldview of comfort with them. So if you're in that space a lot, you know that you are good at staying grounded and you do get that ground floor sort of view of like, hey, my feet are on the ground. I know exactly what uh, it will take to produce peace and comfort in my life and to have a healthy amount of material gain and to have my hobbit-like uh, you know, space looking and feeling cozy and just really being able to enjoy and indulge when I've worked hard and and I want my family and I to be able to do that. I want us to be able to be well styled or uh, you know, within the cultural norms of what is really fun and enjoyable and very, like I said, tangible and touching. And I remember my type nine daughter when uh, I've told this story, but it's one of my favorites of her um, being so different from my idea dealist for who is more winsome even as a baby and then I had my nine reading the book uh, the same books I was reading to the four and kind of cookie cutter parenting and uh, you know you're laughing at me if you <laughs> if you're like why would you do that but like maybe you did that too thinking they would all be the same haha jokes on us but it's also more fun to have differences of course and it was so funny that she started to grab every page. She needed to touch. She needed to be part of it. And it was part of who she is as a five senses person, but also who she is as somebody as part of that grounded triad. Like, what is the practical use for this book right now? I'm a baby and I don't understand a word this woman is saying. So I need to touch. And so just remember that if you are in that triad as a spouse, you could be missing something too. And what you can be missing in your world view is thinking so much about comfort that you're not taking healthy risks. And it's going to look different depending on your type. Of course, for a three, the risk is going to be more of an emotional risk. For a nine, it might be stepping out of your comfort zone. For a six, it might be doing something a little bit more courageous. But as you can imagine, this is a big part of growth work for that three, six, nine in marriage is letting your spouse make some of the choices that make you a little less comfortable in that grounded space. And, and in that way, releasing some healthy control and making sure that they know that you're taking the deep breaths with them and you're on the adventure and you can look ahead with them, or you can, of course, look past and see things that weren't always super easy. And that might mean for some of you going back to coaching or therapy or going for the first time and doing some work that isn't always comfortable, but that really does make you deeper, richer, and healthier together. If you got to hear Monday's episode, you know that we had a neuroscience professional and professor on, and she reminded us that our brains can't differentiate emotional pain from physical pain. So even though you might be like, dude, I've got this. I am bouncing back from physical pain so fast. We have our favorite shows on. We have our snacks. We have our matching North Face jackets, which my sister and her husband did once. It's like, whatever it is, you still have to do the other work. So don't forget it because your brain is still in pain and it's going to affect your body. So make sure you're processing your stuff and uh, doing your work, uh, but not to that, like I said, exclusion where you're like, always in that idealist. We have to do better. We have to keep processing. Also bring in your beautiful gift of resting uh, just as the idealists are bringing in, oh, they really do have beautiful goals and a lot of them can happen. So you guys can still both use your gifts. And then let's also talk lastly about 
the relationalists, those twos, fives, and eights. And now this group really thinks about people a lot and and not only acting with those people, but also relating with those people. There's a lot of passion in these three. And as you know, even if you're a five, you know you go to that eight space a lot and you're thinking and planning for your people. And so what's so good about you guys is that care and that heart that you have that depth. And even if it's just like, hey, I'm in my two and I've learned some boundaries and I I need that because I could care so much that I forget about me. Or you could be, I'm that five who I can't, I don't have the same amount of energy. I only have a measured amount each day. So my care has to be a bit smaller with my people uh, and not as many outwardly. Um, or whether you're the eight who's like sort of I am ready for the people who can handle my big energy. All you guys need to remember is to balance with the other triads and most particularly to know that there are people of other triads doing beautiful things because what can happen in this group, I think, is that there can be such a sense just like the others of, why aren't people just like me? I am so caring about relationships. And it's like those other people are, it's just one of them is bringing comforts to the relationship. One of them is setting goals for the relationship and driving you forward or helping you to look back a bit and uh, more winsome and idealistic and comfortable and pragmatic. And you are bringing in that really important relating center where you're saying we are passionate and let's make sure that we are bringing in adventures together, even if they're introverted adventures, but you get to lock us into the one-to-one view and this intimate view. And like I said, it can feel a bit snobbish if somebody's so locked into their five space that they can't let others in. But generally speaking, all three, especially as the five becomes more expansive, and as I said, the two and the eight sort of learn to have some boundaries, this is our, you know, these are our people to help drive relationships forward in very nuanced ways so that we're not just looking, uh, you know, inwardly or upwardly or on comforts, but that we're really remembering that our strongest features are us together and us empowering each other to love and to help and to relate. And that comes from introverted and extroverted spaces. So if you're in this group, just make sure you keep contributing that. Don't give up for anything. That is our key to survival, especially if you're a five, like who's all into the research. That is absolutely key is relationships, healthy attachment. But of course, I want all the types to learn from you also. So these are some things to consider as you're bringing in your best to your marriage. And I want to bring in Dr. Wyatt Fisher's technique right here so that you can have something as a practical way to to let each other have some space. And that's a pretty cool way to do that. It's his technique called the bounce the ball. And I think that that's a fun name because he he's, you know, thinking of relationship coaching and he has a relationship coaching program also I'll tell you a tiny bit about. Um But the main thing about him is he's a psychologist and he has this technique that teaches couples to share the ball. And I love how he says, nobody likes a ball hog, right? Like, you know this, I know this. Like whenever we've watched kids or been kids ourselves, like we're like, oh, like I remember that from Jack soccer time this, uh, this season where I was like, oh my gosh, like pass it to Jack. But like Jack is a nice person. He's a six who's like the nicest person who's like, if anyone else can have the ball, like that's okay with me. And there would always be somebody who is like a lot bigger and taller who would always whole time 
kick the ball himself. Awesome soccer player. It's just, and the team won all their games, but it was like, oh my gosh, like I think they lost one, but you get my point. Like that kid was liked, but it was like, there was a little bit of a taste in the mouth. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like I, I just, yeah, you just did a great job on the team by yourself. So that's what we don't want for marriage. And what we do want for marriage is that you guys would be a team together. And so I think that it's important that you look to see how can we do this and what you do is instead of just taking an issue, it's maybe a worldview thing here that that one of you is being an idealist in the situation and the other one is trying to be comfortable or relational. And so you're going to have a different worldview, right? So the example Dr. White gives is, let's say it's about technology in the bedroom and it's, I want to use tech in the bedroom and I don't. And so the first partner shares that like here's my true reason for wanting tech in the bedroom and I think it should happen and I here's how it fits with my values and my worldview and it could be anything it could be like well I think that it's a really restful way to end my night and I'm comfort type and then you might have partner b who's like I'm a relationalist or an idealist and it just doesn't fit my ideals to do that um, and then what do you think and so then we compromise and we lean in a bit more and partner a says you know we already have so much tech throughout the day Day, how about we allow in just an hour somewhere in our evening, but maybe not right before bed? And then that second partner, as you can imagine, leans in a bit too and says, okay, well, how about a few hours? And then last but not least, we hope to eventually get to that place where we say, okay, uh, you know, how about a, a compromise of that? Like maybe two hours in the evening, but not right before bed. And and of course, this is an extreme example, but you get it. And that, that could be with you or your kids. And then you guys decide, oh yeah, we're going to read on our Kindles at night. But either way, what you want to land on is that everybody's happy. Everybody on the team feels like they've been heard and that their worldview has been part of reaching that solution. So we have just Enneagrammed up his awesome life hack for couples. I love his bounce the ball technique. And I wanted to tell you that his relationship coaching program is actually a live program similar to ours, but his is going live right now, whereas ours just finished. So I will put his in the show notes uh, just because it happens to be going on right now. But you heard him on our podcast when he was sharing other techniques and he does a beautiful job of training up coaches and, and, in addition, like I do Enneagram, but he's more ICF. So that's the biggest coaching federation around as well. So you actually get continuing ed credits for joining up with him. And uh, he teaches you how to become a relationship coach. So it's a bit different from us because it's not Enneagram, but it also incorporates so many practical marriage tips and tools. So I'll leave that in the show notes for you. Either way, take one thing from today's episode because you may decide that you really need a conversation about worldview. But instead of making it just one, I want you to continue to look at this and to do so with curiosity and compassion so that your marriage can thrive once again, or as we like to say, for the very first time with intention. So anyway, I hope you have such a good day. I hope you take that tip with me and you run with it, whether it's the bounce the ball or whether it's you just talking about your different worldviews and the shadows of those or the worldviews and how you guys can really learn to 
give to each other within that. Uh, something I also like to do with that is, okay, if I'm a, a grounded pragmatist 369 and then you're over here as the relationalist, how can we add some healthy goals and ideals for ourselves? And we've been talking about goals all month here, so you know I'm all about that, but I am all about all three of those being parts of all of us too. So anyway, have a great day. Everything you need is in the show notes. Don't forget next week we have a special fun E&M announcement and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramAndMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.